Jesus speaks each one of our names in his heart to tap us into the reality of the resurrection. To show us that this is true and it is true for you. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. Well, if you've been following along with us here at Hope, we have been walking chapter by chapter, week by week, through the Gospel of John. We started with chapter 1, and here we land today with John chapter 20 on Easter Sunday. This is where it all culminates. It started out by Jesus, by John telling us that Jesus is the Word made flesh. And now he's going to tell us why it matters. Because Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll get into it here. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. After we finish this, I'm going to, I'm going to be saying, this is the gospel of the Lord, and I'll ask you to respond with me. Thanks be to God. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where have you put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went with the, to the other disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of our Lord. 
I know this isn't how you are supposed to preach an Easter sermon. On Easter Sunday, you are supposed to preach joy and joy and joy and joy, and that's it. But, but I think that it is a must today to point out to you that the most surprising thing in this text is heartbreaking. And I know that might sound kind of surprising, right? Because at face value, we have all kinds of things that are surprising here. To start off, we got the angels. The angels show up at the tomb of Jesus. And, and there are not that many times in Bible history when angels show up in bodily form. And I don't know if any of us could, could be able to say that I have seen an angel and an angel has spoken to me. It is special. It is surprising when an angel shows up. But in this case, it's not really surprising, is it? Because Jesus has risen from the dead and you would expect for angels to punctuate this amazing appearance. You would expect that. The most surprising thing in this text is not the angels. And the most surprising thing in this text, it might shock you even more to hear me say that it's not the resurrection from the dead. That was not supposed to be shocking. I mean, the prophets in the Old Testament, they had prophesied all along, Jesus is going to rise. There's going to be a Savior who's going to rise. Jesus had talked about it earlier in the week, how I'm going to die and then be raised on the third day. And when he came back, it wasn't as if he was saying to his disciples, you know what, it was touch and go there for a while. I wasn't sure I was going to make it back. No, he came back and he was saying to his disciples, I told you this was going to happen. Why are you so surprised about this? The most surprising thing in this text is not the angels, it's not the resurrection of, from the dead. The most surprising thing about this text is heartbreaking. Because you see, we got this dear woman her name is Mary. She had been a follower of Jesus. And she's weeping. She's standing at the site of the place that, of the most joy that could ever be offered to us, and she's weeping. See, she thinks her Savior is dead. And she's weeping about it. Even though she's got the empty tomb, she's got the angels, she's got the stone that has been rolled away, she can't see it, and she's weeping. It's heartbreaking. And the angels, they see the heartbreak in her and they ask her a question. It's a doozy of a question. They ask her, why are you crying? It's the right question. See, Mary in her heart was convinced that Jesus had died and was still dead. Even though her eyes were able to, to bring in all of that information that there were angels there, that the stone was rolled away, that the tomb is empty, that those strips of linen are folded up and neatly there. She could have seen that Jesus had risen, but she's weeping. She thinks that he's dead. The angels are trying to point this out to her, and so they ask her, why are you crying? 
See, the question kind of functions like a rhetorical question. They ask her, why are you crying, dear woman? Why? You don't have to cry. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's opened wide the gates of heaven just like he said he was going to do. So why are you crying? And Mary responds, and she shows us the absolute profound depths of her sorrow. She says, they have taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they've put him. And there's two ways that we can look at Mary this morning. And I think it's valuable to look at both sides. On the one side, we could get really hard on Mary here. I mean, John brings it up in the text. They didn't understand what was happening on this day. Mary and the other disciples, they had heard Jesus speak during that week. They had heard him say, I am going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise. And so Mary, she should have known. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, she should have known that Jesus was doing exactly what he, what he said he was going to do. And on that third day, those disciples and Mary, they should have gone to that tomb expecting for it to be empty. You know, we could be really hard on Mary like that. And we could accuse her with that question, saying, Why are you crying? But I think it's really important to empathize with her in this moment and see her heart. Because her heart is our heart. She had just watched the one that she loved more than anything being betrayed, being taunted, being flogged. She had heard the crowd screaming, crucify. She had heard her Savior, who she had looked up to, up on that cross, saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. She had heard him breathe his last breath. She had watched his limp body being placed into the tomb. And you understand her grief? Can you understand why she's crying? I think we can. And I think we need to. Because it's going to get even worse here. Because she answers this question of the angels, then she turns around and she sees Jesus. She sees him face to face. But she is so loaded down with her grief that she's not able to process the information that her eyes and her ears and her senses are bringing into her and she's not able to see that this is Jesus. John tells us she thought he was the gardener. It's heartbreaking. She couldn't see her Savior. And so when Jesus asks the same questions that the angels ask, he asks her, woman, why are you crying? She answers, if you've taken my Savior away, tell me where he is, and I'll go get him. All she could hope was that this man was the gardener, that he did know where the body of Jesus was so that she could go and grieve properly. It's heartbreaking. 
And I really pray I'm not being too hard on Mary this morning. It's not my intention to be the preacher that stands up here chucking blame on people who are grieving. It's not my intention at all. The reason that I am pointing these things out about this moment of unbelief for Mary is because I care. Specifically, I care about you. And I care and I want to show you that the reason that you might have doubts about the resurrection and the reason that you might have doubts about whether the resurrection is true for you does not have anything to do with the external facts. That's what we get shown here in this text. Mary has all the external facts available to her, but she cannot see Jesus. In the same way, we have all the facts. Jesus is a real historical character. And the resurrection really did happen. You can study this from a historical angle, correct it with correct historical studying. You can verify that Jesus is just as real as Alexander the Great. And you can verify that the resurrection of Jesus is just as real an event as the sinking of the Titanic. You can go back and read the witness testimonies. There are hundreds of them. Hundreds of people saw Jesus. And, and it wasn't just people that wanted Jesus to be alive. The people that didn't want Jesus to be alive, they testified too. This is a real event. And I'm not bringing you these things to try and convince you that it's true. I'm bringing you these things so that you can see that the doubts that you may have aren't based on the, on the facts themselves. It has everything to do with what is in our hearts. See, that's what John is bringing us through Mary here. He's bringing us a dear woman who had heard Jesus say everything he needed to say so that she could know he's going to rise and yet she weeps. He's bringing us this story because he knows that this is the way that we go. And again, I'm not telling you this to, to be right grieving people. It is exactly the opposite. I want to bring comfort into grief this morning. I want to help you to make sense of the grief that is in your life and I want to bring you this comfort that you're not the only one. You're not the only one that has doubts about whether the resurrection happened and whether or not it's for you. You're not the only one who struggles with grief and pain and tears. See, this is the way that all of us think. Every one of us has a reason for tears. I'm growing to know this as a pastor more and more. That if I were to go to any one of you at any given time and ask you the same question that Jesus and the angels asked, you'd have an answer for me. If I were to ask you, why are you crying? Why am I crying, Pastor? Are you really asking me that question? Pastor, I'm crying because my relationships are so messed up that I don't think they can ever be fixed. Pastor, I'm crying because I have so much trauma in my past that I am never going to be able to heal from it. 
Pastor, I am upset because my life seems so stuck and I have no idea if anything can ever unstick it. Pastor, I'm crying because every single morning I wake up and I feel depressed and I don't know when or if it'll ever stop. Pastor, I feel so guilty. I feel like I've done things that that God could not possibly forgive me of. Pastor, I'm afraid. I don't know what's going to happen when I die. We all have our reasons for tears. And I want you to know today that Jesus knows this about us. He knows that sometimes, maybe oftentimes, the tears feel like they're never going to stop. Sometimes it feels like that's all there is here. He knows that. He knew that was in Mary's heart. He knows that that is often in our hearts, and that's why he asked his follow-up question. Who are you looking for? I call this a divine follow-up question, not just because it was Jesus that asked it, but because it happens to be the big question for all of our lives. Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for in your life? You've got to answer that question in your heart today. Who are you looking for? Are you looking for a gardener for your life? Someone who can explain to you the way things have happened so that you can go about things as they should be so that you can grieve in peace? Are you looking for a gardener? Did God... Come down to earth and start off this good, healing the sick, making the lame walk, making the blind see. Did he start off that good to only end up pushing daisies? Did God come down to earth at Christmas and put on a body just to end up in a tomb? Was this his big plan for salvation? And if so, is God too weak then to forgive all of your sins? And is he not loving enough to give you something worth being joyful about? Is God still in the tomb? He's not. He has risen. And he wants you to know that because he has risen, you will rise too. Do you know when this became real for Mary? Do you know how it was that Jesus plucked her out of that huge grief on that day? It was one word. He spoke her name. Mary. He spoke her name. And she understood. It was just one word and she was able to see her Savior and it burst out of her. She said it in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And by the way, it is significant that she said it in Aramaic. You can take it from me. When you are a person that knows multiple languages, only one of those languages gets to be your heart language. The language that you first 
heard your mom speak to you in or your dad, the, the, the language that you were sung lullabies in, that's your heart language. Mary shouted out in her heart language, Rabboni, my teacher, because she got it. She saw her Savior there. She saw that Jesus had risen from the dead and she understood that this means that I too will rise. I'm not sure what else to do this morning. I'm not sure what else to say this morning except to do and to say what Jesus said. Frankie. Carla. Frank, Igor, Trent. I'm not sure what else I can say besides that. Jesus speaks each one of our names in his heart to tap us into the reality of the resurrection, to show us that this is true, and it is true for you. Who are you looking for? Jesus is a God whose redemption is universal. It's for everyone. And yet he funnels it right down into your heart. Jesus is a God whose love is cosmically large, but he's only got eyes for you. coming to you this morning with this question that the angels asked, that Jesus asked, and I'm, I'm bringing it up again so that we can see that it really does function like a rhetorical question. Why are you crying? Because in Jesus, because of his resurrection, you don't have to cry. The central cry of your heart does not have to be sorrow. It gets to be joy. Because Christ has risen. That's true. And you're safe to believe that it's true. And you're safe to believe that it's true for you that Jesus did die on the cross for all of your sins, that he was buried, that he did rise on the third day, and that he did it to put a new cry into your heart. I'm going to tell you the cry that's in my heart today. And we're going to see what you're going to do about it. You ready? Christ is risen. And know this, because Christ lives, you also will live. Let's pray. Lord, give us joy today. Give us joy that our sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. Thank you for giving us the joy of this reality that Jesus is our reality. Help us to remember each and every day that you have named us in your heart. Thank you for showing us that you are near us even in our deepest grief. Thank you for rising.